Hello and welcome to Essex by the Sea. I'm Owen Ward, exploring the Essex coast, finding out about the amazing and interesting stories it has to offer. Now, let me ask you a question. How much of the maritime heritage of Rowhedge do you actually know about? I thought that was the case, which is why I'm joined on this episode by Nick Baker and Ros Watlin from the Rowhedge Heritage Trust. Thank you both very much for joining me on Essex by the Sea. Hello, Owen. Hi. Uh, both of you, thank you so much for joining me. Nick, let me just start with you and, and start by asking you as to why the Heritage Trust was, was actually formed in the first place. Well, first of all, um, Rowhedge comes from a, a very interesting history of fishing, yachting and, and shipbuilding. So it has a maritime history which was just ebbing away. And um, in the 60s, in the 60s, the, the shipyard closed and really all, all the fishing fleet had gone and there was no yachting. And it was all just dribbling away and in from and dependent on people's memories. And at about that time, our last um, connection, which was a, a yacht building yard, Ian Brown's yard at the end of the high street, was closing down. And there was a beautiful old building that had been used by an earlier shipbuilder called John Sainty in the in the 18th century. And uh, this was going to be demolished. And we for a while tried to save it. We failed. But that nevertheless got a number of people together who realised that they wanted to to form some sort of organisation to save uh, Roe Hedges' heritage. So take us back a bit then. How rich is the maritime story in Roe Hedge? Was it a hive of, of maritime industry if we went back a, a few decades? Well, yes, it was. For example, quite apart from the fishing, the shipbuilding uh, ranged from some of the leading fishing smacks of, of, of the time. And it's very nice to say that some of those are still preserved and still visit Roe Hedge. But later, say, in the last century now, in the, in the 20th century, there were ships being built here. It might surprise people. We don't think of Essex as a shipbuilding area, but there were ships being built uh, as large as, as 180 feet long, uh, big 500-ton ships, steel ships, and as small as 16 feet long, which we, we in fact, one example we actually have, and that's a wooden a wooden sailing dinghy. So although it was called Rohage Ironworks, it actually built a huge range of vessels. So yes, we do have an amazing, and another part of the heritage, of course, is the yachting, because the skillful fishermen who put to sea in dreadful weather in the winter, their skills that they developed for survival, really, survival in terms of at sea and also earning a living were in great demand by the the gentry when it came to racing their yachts in the summer and many of our row hedge men actually achieved fame like being captain of even the, the king's yacht britannia that's not the, the recent yacht britannia that is the sailing yacht britannia so there is a huge heritage to be recorded there. You surprised me by saying that the shipbuilding which as you say Nowadays, Essex isn't perhaps known for, but one of the uh, builders there is, you know, they were making metal ships. I, I perhaps naively came into this episode thinking they would just be wooden. That is a surprise, I know. And uh, no, they were iron ships and they built even ships for the Navy. In fact, one of the last vessels built at Rohedge, or the later ones, post-war, was a military fast coastal gunboat. And if you looked at it, you'd say it was a warship. And I presume then that when we think of shipbuilding, there will be the yard where the, 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 the ship, the boat is, is physically 
constructed, but there would be industry supporting that process. There were shoemakers at the end of the 19th century, weren't there? But mm. I think the main thing about it was that the village was almost the shipyard. It was, yes. Because the, the ships were being built either end of the high street, and the high street runs along the, the river, and the men would go backwards and forwards from one end of high street to another, sometimes Boats were pulled along the high street or bits of machinery. The sound of riveting could be heard all over the village. The sound of the the, the hooter could be heard all over the village. Yes. I think and so many um, of the men in the village did depend on the shipyard. Rowhedge, the name, does that have any connection to rowing? No. It's, um, <laughs> according to my research, it comes from rough hay which just means a rough piece of ground um which and i think that goes back to 13 something or other so no it's nothing to do with rowing to the edge or <laughs> edge row or, <laughs> it has been said that it's due it's been called rough edge and it's because we're at the rough edge of the river and the women how people thought they're a bit more refined but there have been various myths that yes. circulate in the local pubs about why we're called row hedge quite a lot of banter between yes. the two row hedge then today as i say in a previous episode which you can go back and, and listen to when i went out on the river with the, the with gigs oh, yeah. rowing uh, team we, we we did row past row hedge and it is a very nice village to, to look at from the river. I'm sure it's very nice. I've not actually been into the village personally myself yet. But today, how much of that heritage is still visible? If, if somebody, as you say, was to perhaps go down the, the high street today in Row Hedge, is there anything that they could see? The buildings are there. And of course, the last thing is that the photographs that, that we have and sometimes exhibit show the old buildings. And of course, people can place themselves relative to those and and features like the ferry hard, which is still there and so on. But of course, all of the actual industry of the, of the place has, has gone and the shipyards have gone. We do actually have one remaining boat builder, a wooden boat builder, very, very one good um, boat builder who builds beautiful wooden boats. But of course, the actual shipbuilding has gone. The fishing fleet have gone. We don't have any active fishing smacks. And there is nobody other than a few amateurs doing any yachting. So that part of the heritage has gone. And I suppose that's why we feel, I think often when people are standing out on the quay, they don't realise that even 50 years ago, just about, no, let's go back 60 years ago, there'd have been a ship being built where they're standing. Mm -hmm. And I think that really, we need to tell people about that and to try and recreate some of the excitement and pride that Rohage must have had. You have compiled stories over the years. Uh, I know a, a book has, has been written on it. I mean, what sort of stories did you uncover then from, from the people that you've spoken to in Rohedge? The book I was involved with was um, part of the Heritage Lottery Project, which was gathering stories of the shipyards down the River Cone, Wivenhoe, Brightlingsea and ours in Rohedge. So... When I was doing it, about started it about 12 years ago, there were still quite a lot of the old shipwrights were still alive and loved to talk. So um, I got lots of stories of what conditions were like in the shipyard, how, um, how they had to eat their lunch sitting next to the latrines and um, 
you know, there was no health and safety in those days. They were full of stories of how to build a ship and various processes. Yeah. Um, the book is about other parts of the village as well, the, the clothing factory, Rohedge during the war. And, of course, the shipyard was heavily involved in um, the war effort. And so interesting. And, and good that those stories have been able to, to be captured. You've got a very interesting item that I can see just oh, in yes. front of you. Ros, just explain what, what it is that you've got there in a, in a box. Well, I've been archiving all sorts of things on behalf of Rohage Heritage Trust. And I've just come across this. And it's two newspapers... Each one is wrapped up in what was called a newspaper wrapper. You could buy them in WH Smith's um, to send newspapers by airmail. So this one is dated 29th of April 1954. And there's a little note on them that says, this item was amongst mail salvaged from the BOAC comet which came down in the sea north of Stromboli on the 8th of April, 1954. So how did they come to Roe Hedge? Well, the wartime manager of Roe Hedge Ironworks, one Albert Cork, was quite expert and knowledgeable about a certain design of boat, which he called Craft for the Colonies. Now, these craft for the colonies were sternwheel boats built in steel, designed to go inland in foreign parts. They had to travel across the land until they reached whichever lake. In river. parts, in little bits. In, in, so they were built in Rohedge. They were bolted together. Some of the riveting was done. And then... Albert's first job was to crawl along them and mark the bits so that when the thing was taken down um, <laughs> and packed up in crates and um, put on the ship and taken across the world, the people on the other side of the world could put them together again. So Albert found himself in the Sudan where these some of these boats were being taken and he came across these newspapers, which had been salvaged from the but he was sea. Sent, he wasn't no, sent. no, these were addressed I to see. the superintendent engineer of the Sudan Rail Dockyard. Mm. Um, and the Sudan Railway had a marine division, <laughs> <laughs> which, um, and these boats were part of the marine division. So Albert salvaged these two newspapers, brought them home with him to Rohedge, and were given them by his widow because they thought somebody would be interested in them. And I found them very interesting because I'd, um, I'd researched the plane crash and yeah. all, all sorts of things. With the maritime history that goes with the Essex coast I mean the the stories that you must be uncovering literally like that just spread out across the world to far-flung places that you'd never believe in a million years that Rohedge would have a connection to <laughs> it must be that's that's true yeah. 
Now, the Trust put on exhibitions as as well, as well as capturing stories and archiving uh, really fascinating items that that you come across. Uh, Nick, tell us about the exhibitions that the Trust put on, because there's one in particular about a, a boat manufacturer. Yes, well, the boat manufacturer will be the Rowage Ironworks, which was the biggest shipyard, not necessarily the most famous or distinguished, but probably, I mean, there were earlier shipbuilders who were very distinguished in that they built very successful yachts and very successful um, fishing smacks. For example, Harris is a name that is famous in Rohedge. Um, that there was a, a dynasty of Harrises, but Peter Harris was probably the most famous. And he built, for example, the, the yacht that Alan Gerbolt was sailed alone around the world in. And that was pretty distinguished because he was only the second person to sail around the world alone. And so that was quite, and that was in 1926, I think. The boat was built in about 1911 in Rohitch by Harris. So there have been other famous ships. But um, yes, the, the shipyard is probably the most famous, the Rohage Ironworks, and, and, and interesting in that it, it survived the longest. So it survived from, I think, 1904 to 1964. Yeah. And built nearly a thousand ships. Yeah. When when things flagged a bit because they had a bad setback in the Depression and then a bad setback in the late post-war years of the sort of late 50s, early 60s, they looked around to diversify and they thought they'd start building wooden yachts again. Well, it was a difficult market to get into because just round the corner was that fiberglass stuff. And but they did build a class of racing dinghies called the Firecrest, and this was a small sailing dinghy. And we are really lucky. The Heritage Trust owns number one, the first prototype that was made. And that will appear in our exhibition that we're about to have. So, yes, you know, the exhibitions are important to us. And this this exhibition will be sort of dedicated to the memory of the Rage Ironworks. And details of the exhibition are in the description of this episode so if you want to go along and uh, see it then the links are there well time has flown past i mean there's many many stories i'm sure that we could uh, talk about uh, from Rohedge, but uh, time very much has beaten us for this episode perhaps there could be a, a future episode of essex by the sea perhaps uncovering some of the other uh, gems that uh, you and, and fellow colleagues of the trust have uh, uncovered Thank you. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's very nice talking to you. Well, thank you both very much for joining me on this episode of Essex by the Sea. Now, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, which I do hope that you do, you can support the production of it by making a little donation on my Ko-fi page. A link to that can be found in the description. Thank you very much. So until the next episode, thank you very much for listening. <laughs>